carefree, nightclub, closet drunk, bathtub, out, outcast, weirdo, stepchild, freak show, black girl, bad hair, broad nose, cold tap shoes, Broadway, tuxedo, holiday, creative block, love song, stupid words, erase song, gunshots, orange house, dead, dead, been walking with the dirty mouth, spoiled milk, spell bread, welfare, bonnet club, record deal, light bulb, he keep back hit down corporate club, breast cancer, common cold, HIV, lost hope, overweight, Self-esteem, miss misfit, broken dream, fish pin, small gold, close-minded, dark hole, side joy, joy control, get away, no tongues to you spoke. Mic microphone, one one stage, tomboy, outrage, street fight, bloody war, instigators, third floor, Prometheus Cloud, broken heart, STD, quarantine, heroin leaders, cokehead, final final chapter, death bags, plastic sweats, metal skins, metallic tears, manhood, carefree, nightclub, closet drunk, bathtub, white house, Jim Crow, dirt, dirty lies, my mind Listening to Student Radio Maastricht, hosted by RTV Maastricht on 107.5 FM. Today we are discussing AI and ethics. The song that you just heard was roughly related to the topic science fictiony. Uh, it's called. It was called Many Moons by Janelle Monet. Thank you very much, our lovely techie trio, Sirin, with the main responsibility. Hi. And Shiam, first learning tech. What's going on? And Ari, also learning tech. Hello. And in the studio with me, I have my former uh, coding tutor, Pedro. That's right, that's me. And Carla. Hi. <laughs> that's me. Concise. <laughs> Perfect. So in the last hour, we were discussing the current already existing AI and the issues that we already have with that. And this hour is dedicated more to the future possibilities and the future ethical dilemmas surrounding AI. And just a quick disclaimer, the uh, entire episode relies a lot on this scientific article called The Ethics of Artificial Intelligence by Nick Bostrom, published in 2011. So if you're looking for an even deeper look into 
artificial intelligence and ethics as a topic, I would suggest Googling it. Should be freely accessible uh, online. But well, of our last hour was already a great conversation, so I'm really excited for how this is going to go. But before we get into it, just a quick uh, recap of, well, not recap, overview of what we're going to do. So first we will talk about how humanity could manage theory of mind AI, aka AI that understands human needs and emotions but is not self-aware. The section after that, we will discuss more of the the moral status of self-aware AI, how it should be treated. And then the final section after that, and the section after that, going full speculation on technological singularity and the worst case scenarios, but also best case scenarios of what self-aware AI could do for humanity. Really looking forward to it. Stay tuned for nice conversations. In the meantime, let's get into the next song called Rapture by Blondie.
Listening to Student Radio Maastricht. Today in the studio we are talking about AI and ethics, and right now we will be discussing how humanity should manage or could manage theory of mind artificial intelligence. So just a quick reminder: theory of mind AI refers to AI that is capable of understanding human emotions needs on a complex level, but is not self-aware. So we are not talking about terminators yet. Um, and in general the whole issue if you compare the problems that we have with lower less sophisticated ai and what we would face as a task when dealing with something more general or more broad or more complex uh just on on a scale two completely different tasks we already struggle with fixing small issues in uh, ai that's aimed at very specific problems where there are in local ex- explanations of what the machine should do but if we expand the ai into something more general that deals with a lot of situations then choose and choosing what is good behavior or what is a good decision is very complicated and requires the extrapolation of consequences from actions from the machine and what we were already already discussing before the in- inclusion of morality into AI and into the machine because it must be a moral agent at that point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of the, as, as you mentioned, uh, related to actions, it has to do on uh, how we actually embody AI, right? And how we embody, let's now, let's talk about, you know, robots and androids and stuff. So if you make an, imagine you make an experiment and in, in this experiment you put, you know, one of those uh, Roombas, you know, these uh, smart cleaners, and then you put a very sophisticated AI that is, you know, all theoretical speaking um, that can understand human needs. And then you put, you know, an android, like a human-shaped, uh, you know, robot, but can be really dumb, like can only respond three sentences. And you ask a kid, which one do you think is smarter, right? So generally speaking, we humans, we tend to be more empathetic with beings or elements that look like us. Right. So therefore, you may think, oh, yeah, that's kind of looked like me, then therefore more smart. And this comes down to, for example, those uh, fake videos of, uh, you remember, Boston Dynamics, where they will they would be bullying the robot, you know, and we felt like, oh, my God, this feels so wrong. You know, it feels so wrong when you bully an Android, but it doesn't feel so wrong if, if you throw a computer. Right. So so it really has to do with how do we embody 
the AI. So is it going to be a computer program with voice? Have you, you know, like the, this uh, movie Her, you know, is it going to be a, an operating system with voice of a woman? You know, is it going to be a computer? Is it going to be a robot? You know, so how we embody is this question. Like the relatability that we feel towards the machine. Yeah, I, I completely, I, com I would agree. Like, for example, the, like, famous bobo doll experiment where like in like in psychology where people beat down a, a doll but like it looked like a clown and kids felt the emotions and really like felt the rage and whatever right uh towards the people beating down the doll it's like what you said with the android and that can be very much applied to that and i think also with like um speech generated like siri or alexa or all of these voice assistants it depends on how human like the voice sounds and not what the voice is saying right But also, what kind of human group you perceive as the most empathetic one? Uh, you would not necessarily take advice from something that sounds like a child, but treat it better than something that sounds like an old man. And also, like all this kind of other human biases in terms of how we rank people in terms of emp uh, empathy, who deserves to be protected versus who we look for in respect, etc., etc., is uh, definitely a very interesting topic. But more about the managing the safety side of AI, I feel. Um, what I mentioned before was the general uh, artificial general intelligence, uh, which would be the more of the theory of mind sort of AI, aka not specific, that could answer questions related to, for example, the public sector in relation to complaints about taxes, but also Uh, handle other many money matters like subsidies, whatever. The point is that in there, the predictability of it is actually completely gone. The, a total change in subject, but I really do want to discuss this. How do you how do you feel about like we talked about the self-driving cars, right, and the predictability of who would it drive over in the case of an accident where it cannot either save the uh, driver or the passenger uh, or the grandma or the baby. It's in these kind of scenarios where a broader AI would not necessarily come to the same conclusion all the time. Because that AI would have some sort of, I don't want to call it autonomy because it's still a computer program, but like some sort of like... Um, there is no uh, certain answer necessarily to right? it. Yeah, because yeah, there is simply too many decisions that it would need to make in order to program the ideal answer for every single one. And then would that also then depend on maybe the, the cultural background of the programmers or of the AI that it's in quotation marks growing up in and like learning from? Because I feel like every culture, every like specific society has its own values and norms that the AI would then probably adhere to more so than to yes, others. Yes, definitely. The questionnaire that you mentioned before about who the car should drive over has different answers depending on uh, geographical location so that would likely not be something universal when discussing later yeah But i mean and and at the end it, it's a trick it's tricky to say you know the morality that they had that they inherit uh because they you know the machines a lack of free will really so then uh, fundamentally speaking so they can mimic and they can understand and they could understand human reactions 
but they are a bunch of optimi optimization formulas. Uh, but you know what is important then is if if we are going to adapt and grow with these technologies, which I think are going to help us with so many so many use cases, we need bodies to audit and socially you know social responsible bodies to audit these technologies from the government side but also from the so from societal organizations right so we really need i mean i, I don't i don't see yet uh, or i see in the future a ministry of auditing you know data technologies and ai right a, a freaking ministry that, that you mm -hmm. know and this type of, and also uh, societal organizations that do this auditing right so we have done this in the past with policies for example we have done this in the past with programs we have done this in the past with taxes i think this is the future we have to do this with ai technologies we need to societally audit these type of things and also government but I do wonder, like, in general, like, more generally, um, why we are, as a species, so desperate to outsource important decisions to a, to a program that we know is imperfect and that we know we can't shape and we can't even make our own ethical decisions perfectly, in, in quotation marks. Why are we so desperate to outsource things that are so important to us? I have an unsatisfying answer for you, and that is capitalism. <laughs> it's always did, capitalism. Yes. Why did we autom uh, automize uh, like factories, for example? Because it's more efficient. AI is capable of analyzing the data and coming to a conclusion way faster because of its uh, faster processing rates. And uh, according to its uh, programming, or depending on the programming, also comes uh, as a less uh, influenced or not a split-second decision that humans are prone to. So I think that's the reasoning and also the allure of so-called objectivity in AI which we already have debunked definitely but like yes it makes it more efficient and and for yeah like making a factory making producing a phone more efficient by you implementing machines um, by like shifting that like that into the technology aspect I completely understand and like you know can fathom that but should we be making morality efficient Right? Should, shouldn't that always be in, in a question that we ponder as a species? That is a great question that we can ponder over the next song. That is Subterranean Homesick Alien by Radiohead.
Student Radio Maastricht, and we have been discussing AI and ethics for the past one and a half hours. Right now, we are finally getting into what I have been hinting at for the entire episode, the Terminator AIs, or as the techies would call it, self-aware AI, the one that can not only understand human emotions, needs and desires, but also possesses its own. So... My question to you, firstly, does a self-aware AI actually have moral status? What I personally find very interesting about this question is that we are talking about it before it actually happened, right? Like we're not we're not at the stage yet, but we're already already thinking about it and making movies about it, for example, Ex Machina, movies like this. Um, so it does seem to be very prevalent for us, even though it's still science fiction, right? Um, so it must be something quite important. And I don't know, I've, I've always wondered, um, can something that we create, and not create as in evolution, but as in actually tinkered together over centuries and decades and whatever, and then with our collected knowledge creates it as something technical, ever be on the same, I guess, moral status or on the same status as a human, um, which, you know, ties into, for example, actor network theory. Um, can a technology ever have the same status in our, like, network as humans have, have and has, as human morality has? And I think this is a very important and very difficult question. I would like to see the, the more technical here, the more technical side of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very difficult. And I would say... Uh probably impossible for the technology that we have right now right some theorists they start to think about you know when we have the the, the quantum computers and stuff where we can have some more powerful computations perhaps we can simulate uh networks and brains and stuff well that's those are very nice theories in fact um but I, i'm not i'm not actually sure if we you know uh, the, the the brains and the complexity of the what it's so called very philosophically speaking the human soul you know that i think it will be really impossible that's really my opinion however uh if if you if you you know 
if you think of it in a different perspective? What if the future for us is actually the combinations of humans and machines, right? What if we create certain technology in a couple of decades where we can actually download our memories? We can download ourselves into something because we have enough storage and enough computations to do that, right? And what if we, that memory and that personality, we plug it in and we have seen in these various uh, Hollywood and series, Star we plug Trek. it in. Exactly. Black Mirror is what I'm thinking of. Exactly. Oh, yeah, Black Mirror. The, uh, acculturated carbon and all those series. And then you plug it in into an artificial body, right? Is that a human? Is that a machine? Is that immortality as well? And should we be striving for that? Yeah. Is that consciousness still the same person or not? But Definitely. You, you just called it person. So for you, as a human. But, but you know, that, that thing, you called it person. The but simulated that mind. I mean, that in the body, the body might not be human, but is the mind still the same? But then that raises another very interesting philosophical question. Is something that is simulated, and even if it is perfectly copied and perfectly simulated, is that the same thing, right? Like, for example, mm -hmm. if you take, um, and I'm sorry, this is not necessarily self-aware AI, but if you take AI music production, right? As an example, music in a, as a thing, as an art form, has always always been prevalent in humans and through humanity and evolution whatever right we've been making music to express ourselves since the stone ages right mm -hmm. now we are not just digitalizing which is one thing and appifying but actually outsourcing music production to an ai or to ai programs that can create baselines can create whatever right which you know makes it, again more efficient right to to sell the music to make it appeal to the masses but is it but art is it is it art is one question but also again coming back to the do we why do we feel the need to outsource something that is specifically specifically like lives from the human soul what you called it from the human experiment experience we express things through music that we can express through words so why would we outsource that to an ai right the question whether or not self-aware ai would have a soul Depends on some metaphysical questions that we don't have an answer to until we have self-aware AI and we can then figure it out. So do you think um, it needs a phenotypical appearance for us to figure it out? I, like for I do think so because yeah. the concept of a soul is heavily de debated and I think there, because we only have humans to see, replicating a human-like mind and seeing whether or not that would also gain uh, sentience, consciousness, whatever you might call it, a soul, uh, would answer that question. Maybe it's also the next step in evolution. Like For maybe sure. that's what it, exactly. the next species, the species exactly. is supposed to be. We go from Homo sapiens to AI technology. Exactly. Superhuman. But like in general... Mesohuman, um, some people start to call it. <laughs> yes. But as you mentioned before, machines in general... Uh, are considered to not have moral status, aka, according to Kant, can be used as a means to an end, unlike humans. But there is this, um, I found this really interesting also in the article that I mentioned at the start of the episode, that basically humans should not discriminate against AI if it's both sentient, aka, for example, capable of feeling pain, and sapient, has high intelligence like capabilities. The distinction between organic, sentient and sapient beings versus non-organic would be arbitrary and thus uh, similar to other kinds of discrimination that we have at the moment and not morally justifiable. But is 
the feeling of a of a technological being like feeling pain is that feeling pain or is that replicating the feeling of pain in code does it make a difference yeah exactly it doesn't make a difference so because how do you know that pain is pain you know how do you know you're you know there's there's for there's no real uh, way for us to actually figure out if we live in a simulation or not and these type of you know questions you know so at the end of the day you know um pain feelings and all those type of things we also have seen in hollywood that at the end of the day these are programs in our neurons you know mm-hmm. in a way probably we're also you know we are not very different at, at you know in the fundamental speaking to ai yeah inflicting uh, uh, humans generally agree i hope you do too that inflicting pain or suffering uh, based on any kind of arbitrary category like for example origin is morally wrong so the really controversial aspect of this would be the extension for non-organic beings like we can already see why we should not discriminate based on sex based on race any other quality that you have no influence over has the ai any influence over the fact that it's not an, a human mind or an organic origin no so why should it be considered any less because of that especially if it's truly more capable in terms of uh, processing speed or how much knowledge it can gather so that would truly i think if we do not grant moral status to ai that would definitely turn it against humankind i think a crucial difference here is though that all the other and quotation marks categories that you talked about are random and we can't help it right but we as humans can program ai to feel pain so why would we right it's still something that we made uh to definitely exist. and that's bringing antinatalism into the show we'll have to discuss it some other time but we are getting some aggressive hand signals from our techie so time for an- our next song we will become silhouettes by the postal service enjoy
listening to Student Radio Maastricht and we have been discussing AI and ethics as a topic for quite some time now and right now this section is dedicated to pure speculation. Now unfortunately Carla, one of our guests, had to leave because of uh, her more important trip to getting cro- groceries for a girlfriend who unfortunately has corona. I hope you heal fast if you are listening. Um, But while we say goodbye, we still have my former tutor, Pedro, on the radio. Yeah. And our techie trio. Uh, just holler at the mic really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Shiam. So, speaking of, I've already referred to self-aware AI as Terminator uh, for quite some time, but it's not necessarily going to be that bad. Uh, all I think it all falls back onto one question. Would a self-aware AI respect its creators either on the same intellectual level or uh, inferior or turn against them? What do you think, Pedro? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I really think that comes down how of how to embody them. If we, for example, create this uh, at some point in a couple of decades, this AI where they can and they stay inside computers, you know, so where we have these assistants that there will be only screens, there will be assistants that there will be only boys in your house, a little bit creepy, but okay. And then there will be, you know, assistants in your computer and they are self-aware and basically they are your valet, right? So these, let's call them people, Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they they they're gonna fulfill your needs, and they you know uh, are arguably are not harm because they they don't have body, they cannot really harm anyone, right? Mm-hmm. So if we keep it that way, probably you know we can we can really negotiate in a couple of decades uh, of having these assistants, very intelligent assistants, 
but not really any harm because they are not embodied, you know, because... That reminds me of a Black Mirror episode. Quite literally, you summed up one of the plot lines. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do agree to a certain extent, though. It depends what the systems have access for, right? Because you could have the uh, a computer direct a nuke at your doorstep, right? That's the sort of externalized danger that they could still pose. But indeed, without physical uh, bodies or ways of making themselves physical bodies and inserting the consciousness into it, it definitely would be less trouble than the classic science fiction narrative of uh, droids going around. It reminds me of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Though they were not necessarily intelligent or exactly. self-aware. Exactly. They, they, yeah, I don't know with these, these uh, yeah, drones thingy. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the, the thing. Now, I mean, we always, uh, kind of the, you know, the, the, the moral issue here is, you know, uh, like the bad people, you know? Here, the bad people is where, you know, all, all, all those, uh, let's say, actors or criminals around the world that they would want to, the moment we have, when we have the technology, they will want to enhance themselves. They will want to have this assistance, you know, because they can automate things. And as we speak, you know, really automation is the epitome of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. Even for, for criminal activities. So then these people are the ones that that are going to do misuse of, of, of these technologies. So we should be ahead of them. You know, of, you know, the the bad actors, the criminals that they are going to to look for enhancing their skills and activities with technologies. Right. That definitely I think is a big problem. Also uh what looking back way before we were talking about transparency that already sets up the next requirement. It has to be robust against uh, manipulation. In that uh, particular example, it would have been against further biasing the data, but in this case, manipulation against, for example, hijacking something to uh, funnel the money instead of, let's say, a money distribution for a welfare state. Instead of directing it all as it should, landing it all on my bank account, which I think would be lovely. I'm broke. I would do it. Um, lucky yeah. that I do not have access to that sort of technology. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is exactly, you know, where, where we are going to, you know, because not everything is lost, really. You know, it really has to do with, you know, uh, training all the, the, the future generations that are going to build these technologies, you know, the future uh, generation. I mean, we, it should be by default that we have ethics and legal courses from primary school. And even though, it, I mean, it, more, moreover, you know, everyone that goes into any type of engineering, mm-hmm. really, you know, we should have that, like, by default, right? Because, you know, not everything is lost. I mean, there's a lot of applications of AI that, you know, can help us. I mean, le- let's, let's bring climate change examples, you know. There mm-hmm. are these studies, you know, that say, uh, you know what, looking at the satellite pictures, they can predict, the, for example, the rate of ice melting caps you know and therefore take action you know you only have that with satellite images plus drones plus actual action you know so you have really a solid example of how ai can actually help humanity and if you look at that example Mm -hmm. there's nowhere in the example that has to do with personal data you see so so then probably the solution is that let's start to use ai uh for not trying to you know simulate us 
but uh, trying to sell and solve some other problems. If only personal data was not the most profitable things of this century. <laughs> I <laughs> wish it was not, but truly the like most successful companies of all time are these social media platforms, right? Like Google totally. already sold my soul to it. And cheers, see you in hell, uh, whoever totally. owns the company. CEO of Google, this is a war cry. This is a joke, um, in case you're listening. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the whole turning point or another danger what you mentioned was also like how much we enable AI to take action against us, but also what, how much does it, how similar it is towards us in the end. Because these are the sort of questions that we don't have answers to until we have the AI and then we have to be able to deal with it. Um, but for example, we have uh, in Europe, like in Poland, I've seen recently some stuff about reproductive rights going downhill. How about the reproductive rights of an AI? It would also, I assume, have these sort of impulses of at least self-preservation, if not multiplication. So if the self-preservation instinct requires the AI to wipe out humanity because we technically could pull a kill switch on it at all times. I think we would have that sort of safeguards in case of worst case scenarios. Then we're pretty much uh, screwed, at least I think. Yeah, and, and if at some point they decide that, uh, you know, they want to use us as batteries. <laughs> they were talking about the Matrix, right? So yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, you know... Um, uh, kind of our, you know, we are in a very fundamental way. We always try to look at, you know, uh, them and us, right? So that's really a human thing. But and, and this is kind of my take, you know, like I believe that we are going to be uh, kind of a one being at some point. We are not, we are going to be, you know, there's going to be like really a, a no distinction for at least some uh, uh, communities, or at least some uh, privileged humans in the futures, where they would they they would be able to be enhanced, you know. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be kind of the AI, probably, you know, uh, and not necessarily independent uh, talking robots. Right. So another divide in the human population instead of actually a human machine. That is a very interesting thought, but. I do see some hand gesturing once again, or could recall at least seeing it at some point. So the next song, uh, unlike the past things that we have been listening to, does not necessarily have a tie to technology. But one thing that I was wondering when researching for this episode was that couldn't AI actually fall in love? So this is a love song from me dedicated to AI. Tell it to my heart by Medusa and
You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht. Hopefully you did not completely destroy the headphones that we have. There's only two pairs left. Um, we were just listening to Tell It To My Heart by Medusa and Hosier. And this is the official wrap-up of our two-hour mar- marathon on the topic of AI and ethics. It has been a really a pleasure to be hosting this episode. Fun fact, it is actually the first truly informative episode that I'm hosting by myself so I was was very nervous going into it but actually quite proud on how it turned out of course I would not be able to do it without my wonderful uh, tech team you are under underappreciated truly but one question that we were discussing over the break was that uh, and I mentioned quickly before didn't have time to go into it could an AI possibly find it uh, fall in love you wanted to answer the question, Pedro, so take the stage. AI, it can and it will fall in love because it is created by humans, you know. So, I, I mean, it really, any you know, inherently at some point in the hardcore uh, of the whatever system, you know, it's going to be somewhere embedded somewhere very deeply inside and i'm really talking philosophically metaphysically some because it's created by us is going to be somewhere coded right right so so and and i I mean kind of coming back to the you know to the pets examples right because we've been with them for so many centuries in some way in their dna they already encoded this relation with humans in a way right so then you know it's in their nature in their dna at some point when you look at your dog and the dog loves you they you know they actually produce endorphins like really mm-hmm. love you know and i think uh that's something that's going to happen with ai it's going to be encoded somewhere yes and i do um, sort of think that's as what well, i do agree with you because while the AI research or classification is so focused on intellect, right? But there's so much more to the human experience and so much more that the machine would need to understand or replicate in order to actually be considered uh, a thing, theory of mind or self-aware, God forbid. Um, but truly the intelligence or rationale is only a minute aspect of what made us dominate the planet and uh, for some other as- aspects like sociability is totally ignored so definitely I do agree though uh, f- 
Carla, I think, before she left, mentioned the movie Ex Machina, where an AI cyborg falls in love with a human. I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. I'm sorry, but um, would be a bit too dangerous considering what happened to the two dudes in the movie. But we are nearing the very end of our episode. Again, thank you very much for Pedro coming on the show. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you for my lovely tech trio for making sure that the episode runs smoothly. I hope it hope you enjoyed it. And of course, thank you to RTV Maastricht for supporting us and enabling us to actually do the show. Um, next week, the episodes are going to be film music and the housing crisis in Maastricht. So make sure to tune in if these topics are of interest. The last song is actually made by a friend of a friend. It's called Say Goodbye by Rama. And here I am saying goodbye to you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. It was lovely to talk to you. And you'll hear from me soon again. 